Do I look fat? Hey guys, welcome to the Do I Look Fat podcast. It's your host, Steffi Kiss. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Last week was launch week and it was so unreal. The amount of positive feedback that I received, it was really an eye opener and I really just wanted to take the time to thank everybody for listening to my episodes. I wanted to also read a review that I received that actually really touched me. Um, It's from someone who has their name as Don't Message Me, but it says, Thin or fat, we all have our struggles. Whether it's a struggle to gain weight or lose weight, we can all relate. Steffi is super helpful in showing us that we're not alone in this at all. She's hilarious, educational, and makes us love the skin that we're in no matter what. Thank you, Steph, for taking us on this journey with you, and I can't wait to watch you grow. Love ya. Kissy emoji face. I'm so grateful, honestly, that the podcast has been received so well. As you know from my previous episodes, I'm a huge self-doubter, but it's such a blessing to know that there's at least one person out there who can relate to me and my highs and lows and just really support what I'm trying to do. So speaking of support, it's Mother's Day weekend. So this week's guest is especially special. She is an expert crocheter, my very first workout partner, and the classiest lady I know, my mommy, Susan. Hey, mom. Hey, sweetie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here and support you on this journey. Thank you. Thank you. It's so weird to say your name because I never say Susan, like, ever. Uh, you're know. always just mom or ma or mommy <laughs> or, you know, like Stewie from from Family Guy. Um, yes. <laughs> so like I said, it's Mother's Day weekend, and I feel like this may be the first Mother's Day that I actually don't see you in person. It is. It is. And it's very hard. It's yeah. very hard not to be able to be with my girls. Yeah, with COVID coming out, like everyone is just really staying to themselves. I think I've seen you through like the window of my house a couple of times, but that's about it. I haven't <laughs> been around you in forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been, I think, more than a month, going on two months, really, that we haven't really had interaction. Yeah, definitely. Which is crazy. It's so unreal. This is the, yeah, this is the new norm, supposedly, which I don't like. The new normal, let's see for how long. I think it might last here in New York longer than it, it'll last everywhere else. I know in other places, people really aren't practicing social distancing as much as we are just because they have so much space and so much room like you can go to somebody's backyard and sit on a bench you know a couple of Mm -hmm. feet away from them and they'll be okay Mm -hmm. yeah but um here in new york you'd be surprised today especially you know it's like 70 what some something degrees outside and i personally didn't go to the park because i've been exhausted all day but um eddie went to the park for a walk and he was telling me people were actually picnicking. Yeah. And I was like, what? So a little a little heat, a little nice warm weather, and people just want to go do, you know, the norm for them, which is hanging out and being with family, which is which is fine on a on another occasion that we don't have all this um quarantine and stuff. But with this, it's crazy. Right. We're supposed to be um, out of quarantine, they say, supposedly May 15th, which is about 
two weeks from now, a week from now. I don't think it's going to happen either. And after this past weekend, with it being 70 degrees, I know Governor Cuomo said that this was going to be the test weekend. Because if Mm -hmm. people don't know how to stay home, it can spread. Because we're not anywhere near flattening the curve in New York. So it can spread and it might peak again. So that might actually, you know, push things back a bit. I -hmm. personally don't think that they should open up New York City before Memorial Day. Because if you open up before Memorial Day, that's giving everybody a pass to go barbecue, go to the mm-hmm. parks, go do, you know, because that's what we do here. It's the official start of summer in New York and exactly. when everything opens. Yeah. Exactly. So if you open it up for before that weekend, that's basically telling everybody it's okay and we don't have to social distance. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. already happening, so that's yeah, giving I mean, them, you like, know, the go-ahead. <laughs> we don't listen. New Yorkers are stubborn. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into our random questions. Again, as you guys know, random. I dig into my little jar. It's not Ooh. little, it's a big jar, but I dig into it and I pull out the questions. And this is funny because it's my mom, so hopefully we don't get any sexual questions because I'm not going to read it. <laughs> okay. I hope not either. <laughs> it's a little awkward, if you must say. Okay, so question number one. Is there a personality trait that you can't stand? Yes. And that is a liar, like a a two-face. Um, I just can't I can't be around and for some reason God has given me this gift to sniff these people out. Like I know when somebody's not being real with me. And I just hate that. I just can't stand that. Yeah, I mean lying and For me, it's lying for no reason because everybody lies. But if there's absolutely no reason for you to lie to me, why are you doing it? Um, For me, I think a personality trait that I can't stand is basically like a woe is me attitude. Everything doesn't happen to you negatively. You know, like you have to take some accountability within yourself um, based on the things that happen to you. Some of the things you can definitely you know, avoid based on your actions, your thoughts, your mindset, Mm -hmm. just those type of things. If you're always negative and if you always think everyone is out to get you, that's what's going to happen. You're always going to fail. True. That is true. So that's definitely a personality trait in other people that I can't stand. And sometimes, you know, we're all human. We all do it. Like, I'm sure you've lied. I've lied. Mm -hmm. I've been in, you know, a woe is me kind of mindset. But you have to know that you have to move forward and you have to persevere and get through it. In order exactly. for, for you to get better. Exactly. All right. So question number two. What era would you choose to live in if you could? So like 20s, 30s, 50s. Wow. This is a hard one because um, lately I have been wanting to go real back in time. <laughs> I mean, real back. Um, I really wanted to go to the time AD. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking about way back there. I really, if I, if I had a chance just to go and look and see how things were done in that, at that time, I would love to go and, and just be like a fly on the wall and, and, and see what went on. As far as what, like, so when you say, do you mean A.D. or B.C.? So, like, when Christ was here, is that what you're talking about? When he was here, yes. Okay, all right. So I want to see. I want to see his walks, his 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 
suffering. I mean, it's sad to say that I want to see this, but it's mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, I can't believe they did this to him. Right. You know, everything that they did to him when he was here on earth. And I would have loved to be, be part of that group that followed him and, 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 and got taught by him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I had, I know you do like Bible study and things like that. And, you know, I went to Catholic school. You always had me in Catholic school when I was younger. So I'm familiar with the Bible. I'm not as familiar as I should be, but I am familiar mm-hmm. with it somewhat. Um, with the Bible, I kind of feel like I wish I was there too because to me, I almost feel like I don't know who wrote the Bible and who was right. telling these stories and what actually happened. I believe in Christ. I believe he's here. I believe he died for our sins. I believe in all of that. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean to say that everything in the Bible I believe because I don't know who wrote it or rewrote it. Like, it's been so long since right. it was right. it happened, you know, and things a lot can of th- change. A lot of things, right. It's a lot of things. That's why there's so many interpretations of it because mm-hmm. it got... Some things might have gotten lost in transit because it was originally written in Greek mm-hmm. and Aramaic. So whoever in, you know, in, when you do an interp- uh, translation, mm-hmm. you lose a lot. And I think that that's what's been happening with that. Right. And that makes sense. So, yeah, I can definitely see since you've been so into the Bible study and into learning about it and, you know, just the stories within the Bible. I can see why you would want to go back to that yeah. era because you yes. want to see it for yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I do. Um, my my era isn't that deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to see the 70s. I don't know if I would like to live in them. I know You know, I was born in the 80s. I don't remember the 80s, but the 80s in New York, from what I know, was very scary and a very weird Mm. time. Mm -hmm. I sort Mm -hmm. of feel like the 70s in the way it's portrayed in the media seems like it's more free-flowing and fun. But again, that's based on the perspective from white people, you know? They were the flower children, and they were going to Woodstock, and they were doing this, and they lived their life freely without a care in the world. But that's not to say that, you know, my family members and my ancestors that were here in the 70s, and I say ancestors because that's just, that's a crazy word. But, you know, (laughs) my family members that were alive and thriving in Mm -hmm. the 70s, I'm sure they didn't, you know, their life wasn't all daisies and rainbows, as it says, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So if I could pick an era, it would probably be (laughs) the white person's 70s, you know, not necessarily (laughs) the Puerto Rican or Dominican 70s, at least not in America and not in the United States, because I can only imagine how it was. From what I remember, I mean, um, I was born in 1962, so I saw my older sister lived through that era mm-hmm. in her teens. And from what I can remember, she did look very like, you know, easygoing person and, and having fun with her friends and going to parties and stuff like that. So, I mean, it could have been also good in the Hispanic community mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Right. I mean, that's true. Um yeah, but definitely to a certain extent, because if there's racism now, I can only imagine what the racism was like right. in the well, 70s. Right, well, I'm talking about back in Dominican Republic, not here, not here as as a, a Hispanic living in an American, in a white society. Right. But right. I was back in the country with everybody's the same. <laughs> 
See, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah I, I could only imagine what DR looked like in the 70s. Like, right. I mean, it probably hasn't changed much, to be honest. Because Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while, but um, I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more um, modern than what I when, when I was there. Mm-hmm. But as far as culture, I don't think that ever changes. It's yeah. the same. You yeah. know, music is updated, fashion right. is updated, but the right. heart of the culture remains the same. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so we're going to go into the last and final question. Okay, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. What was the most difficult challenge in your life thus far? Wow. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, Mom. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think the most difficult was being a single mom um, of two girls or two kids. I think that was very difficult for me um, because I feel that I missed a lot of points in my kids' life. Because I was um working and because I was there was a point in my life where I was like so depressed that I really didn't give them really what they needed. Well, what you needed. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, like more time with you guys. I know I spent time with you guys, but it would have been more and 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 regardless of, of, of the fact um a father is needed. Um, when it comes to raising children and I learned that the hard way. Um, but yeah, it was very difficult because I had to balance both being a mother and being a father. And I was not good at being a stern person um, to have that. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't say you weren't stern. Um, mm-hmm. You were a great mom, like, and you know, not just because you're my mom, but you were. You right. were a great mom. I was older than Amanda. Amanda is my younger sister. Um, my mom has two kids, me and Amanda. She'll be on an episode coming up soon, actually. And I knew that you were going through it. I could see it. I was a teenager already. I saw a lot of it. So I remember the times we shared. Like, it may not have been all the time, but you came home and you cooked dinner every day. That I remember. Mm-hmm. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, as a mom now and working full time, I don't cook dinner every day. So it's mm-hmm. like you did what you could. And we're ve- me and Amanda are very appreciative of that, like no, extremely appreciative of that. And you did like you're human. So you're bound to, you know, go through depressions. You're bound to, you know, make mistakes. That I was your first kid, so you don't know mm-hmm. what the hell is going on. I was your first kid. You know, you had two girls. You uprooted your life twice in, what, three years? Like, we left mm-hmm. the Bronx, went to Long Island, and then had to leave Long Island and come to the Bronx. Those were all, like, major shifts for you. And I feel like you did the best you could to try to make it as normal as possible for me and Amanda. Yeah. And being a mom now, I can appreciate that like a hundred percent. It was, it was. I know it was hard for you. Very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I, I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat for my girls. Yeah, definitely. And that's what mm-hmm. it is to be a mom. Honestly, um, my biggest challenge 
thus far because you know i'm only 34 so i can only imagine what god has in store for me how i'm gonna grow um mm. it would have to be when i got ethan's diagnosis that's when i fell into my depression um i pulled away a lot when i got his diagnosis and it just taught me like i have to be a different kind of mom I couldn't be the same mom you were. I couldn't be the same mom I saw on TV. I couldn't be the same mom my friends were. Like, I literally had to learn how to be a mom of a kid with special needs. Because it's something I've never experienced. It's something I've never even witnessed before. You don't even mm-hmm. really... I mean, I feel like in the past couple of years, you might see it more portrayed on, on like, media, television, movies, and right. things like that. But before that, you really didn't. At least mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't remember seeing yeah. anything on no, TV no, no. or... So it was really like I had no point of reference when it came to learning how to be a mom of a child with special needs, learning how to communicate with him in his own special way, learning how to, you know, just be there for him. And it actually impacted like my health and my and my weight. I had gains, I think. Ethan was diagnosed when he was about he was going to be 2 or had just turned 2. And mm-hmm. I probably gained about 60 pounds in a year I know. when when I found that out. And I didn't mm-hmm. see it because my focus was Ethan. Like, my focus was him and what's going on and how we're going to get this and how is he going to get to school and who's going to stay with him and all of that. So I didn't even realize it until one day, like, I guess you just snap out of it. Like, you just snap mm-hmm. out of the depression or the fog and the cover over your eyes. And you're just like, oh, my God, like... Like, my focus has been somewhere else. Like, your focus was trying to keep a roof over me and Amanda's head, making sure that we were fed, that we had food, that we had our clothes, right. that we never really wanted for anything. But mm-hmm. you were you were working on autopilot and other aspects in your life. And I feel like right. I was working on autopilot when it came to, like, me and my health and my, you know, just eating terribly and just mm-hmm. doing the most. Yeah. So I was definitely not mindful in that because my focus was elsewhere. Yeah. Now, and one thing is that I t- I have to say it is that I am so proud of the mother that you have become. You have no idea how proud I am of you. I mean, you're amazing. You're amazing. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to realize that all this hard effort and all this that you're going through is going to be a blessing in your life. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> yes. Yes. Watch, sweetie. Watch. <laughs> You're a wonderful mother. Thank you. Thank you. Don't make me cry. We all know I'm a crybaby. Okay? <laughs> well, me too. So red, we'll have so. a we'll have a cry party here. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to get into our next segment. And it's called Eat Your Heart Out. As you guys know, every week we try to talk about a fat diet or some type of meal plan, diet plan that we've either heard of, been through, or just found online that just sounded ridiculous. So (laughs) this week's diet is one that I feel like we've spoken about so many times, but I really didn't know anything about it. And Mm. it is the cabbage soup diet. The cabbage soup diet, (laughs) as per Healthline.com, is a short-term diet plan that involves eating large amounts of cabbage soup basically that is where you're getting all your nutrition that is where that's your meals that's what you're eating point blank period um this is probably the first diet i remember you going on i had Mm -hmm. to be like maybe 10 or 11 because we probably younger 
because we moved to Long Island when I was 12. And this was before Long, Long yeah, Island. Yeah, you must. I think you were like eight. I was eight little. or nine. Yeah, you were little. You were little. Like, Ethan is 10. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine what Ethan sees me doing now, all the craziness that I'd be doing. I know. And he's just like, he's going to remember this one day and he's going to be like, mom, you were really like, I remember that month of October where you were a new monster every day. Like, what were you doing? (laughs) I know. That is so true. You don't know what your kids pick up on. You don't know what your kids remember because you and know that's yeah that is why you have to be very careful on what you do because they 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 see they grasp and and they and they imitate they do so imitate. you gotta be subconsciously yeah, gotta even be, they just imitate exactly you. exactly but this soup let me tell you about this soup girl <laughs> this was life i mean i love this soup i still eat it just to eat it okay because i <laughs> love i just love cabbage soup but to be honest, when I started doing this particular soup, I didn't research. I'm not a research type of person. I'm not a planner. I don't know where you got this from, but it was not from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I, I heard about it and people were losing weight and, and they were like cabbage soup and they gave me the recipe. I went, got all the ingredients, made this humongous pot. And it was delicious. I remember that pot. Yes. And it's all I ate. I didn't know that you could incorporate fruits and vegetables. I didn't know that you could incorporate meats at a certain point. No. All I ate was soup for like 10 days. Soup, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And Mm. snacks. But it was delicious. (laughs) I enjoyed it. So, so you're the type of person that you can eat the same meal every day, all day, oh, yeah. and it doesn't bother you? I used to be. Okay. I have changed so much. I wish I was that person again, but I, I can't. I, yeah. I, I can't. I find that, um, I mean, you remember when I was heavy on like my health kick and I was going to the gym at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. I would meal prep my meals in the beginning, like once a week. And I could eat these, you know, refrigerated foods. I would just plop them in the microwave, eat my meal, and it was fine. And now it just, like, the thought of it kind of disgusts me. Like, yes. I, I'm tired of eating microwaved food, to be honest. We change. We, we evolve with age. And you'd be surprised <laughs> of the things that you used to like that you're not going to like later on or, you know, vice versa. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, yeah. But this soup was life. Yeah. So what I found interesting was that uh, Healthline.com, they rate their sca- their diets mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five. Um, this diet scored a 0.71. Mm. So it wasn't even a one. Yeah. What? It's, so it's basically terrible for you. <laughs> it's a, it's a oh bad diet. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't provide oh, really no. a lot of nutrients. It's, you know what it is? It's, Two less of calories. Because, I mean, if you think about it, cabbage has what? Nothing. Nothing. It's Mm -hmm. mostly water. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly. So you're drinking a soup made of something that has mostly water. I don't know what you put in it besides cabbage. I put everything. I put everything. So, like what? I put the carrots. I put tomatoes. I used to buy the grape tomatoes and I used to dump them in there. Um, Sometimes I would put green beans. Okay, so you were adding more vegetables. I was adding more vegetables, yeah. I couldn't live just on cabbage. 
it's it's nothing. It's yeah. honestly yeah. nothing. And I guess that's why they're like, well, you know, you can have your snacks, you can incorporate, you know, meats now if people want to try this diet. But to me, I feel like, you know, if you want to do the cabbage soup diet because, you know, you're going on a vacation or right. because you're getting married, because really, to be truthful, it's not even good for a long vacation because as soon as you start eating exactly. on vacation, you're going to gain weight and you exactly. might not fit the clothes that you bought for this vacation. That's um, right. We've all done it. We've all starved for a week before an event or a trip. Um, I remember the first time I went to Atlanta. Um, I literally drank nothing but green juice for like a week before I left just so I can fit into these shorts that I literally only ever wore on this trip because I never fit them again. Um, (laughs) I think I still have them. They're like, I don't know if you remember Sex in the City, but Miranda had her skinny jeans. I have my skinny shorts in my closet. They're like buried. I don't even know if my thigh can fit in one of them. Like it's, they're small. Um, But I literally only drank green juice for like a week. And I was actually mad on the trip because it rained for like the whole time except yeah. the last day. Aww. So that's the, uh, you know, I wore those jeans, those shorts the last day. Like, yeah, I took a thousand pictures in them. <laughs> it's the only time I wore those shorts. They were amazing. That was me at my smallest. When I went to Atlanta, I had a goal that I wanted to weigh 170 pounds. And mm. I actually, before I got on that plane, I weighed myself and I was 168. So that wow. was my smallest weight. Oh, nice. <laughs> never saw that weight again, but that was my smallest weight, and I'll never forget it, honestly. Um, we tend to not forget those beautiful numbers when we see them on the scale. That's a fact. Whether beautiful or disgusting, because right. I don't remember my highest weight until the day I die. Like, it's. Yeah. That's just something you never forget. So, you know, it's definitely a short-term diet, and it's definitely bad for you. Is there anything that you specifically remember about the diet besides the um, the recipe? Well, yeah, I remember being in the bathroom 24-7. So, of course, <laughs> I mean, I was constant. I'm not a person to go to the bathroom as much because I am a bad water drinker. Mm-hmm. But with this diet, I was flushing myself, my skin. I mean, and I was drinking, like, I don't know if it was because I was drinking a lot of fluids or whatever, but my skin was beautiful. I mean, I look really nice after this diet, but um, I also was very gassy, oh, okay. which was not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I can only imagine. So you're drinking a lot of liquid, so you're constantly flushing your body, yeah, but then it's also giving you gas, which is kind of yes. annoying. And then I'm sure you were starving. Like, Well, you know why I wasn't, I'm going to, this is like very honest here. Mm-hmm. The only reason I wasn't starving was because I was also taking diet pills when I did this diet. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I used to You don't go have to, to whisper, doctor. it's okay, this is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> we have all done it. Yeah, I used to go to this doctor who prescribed pills and water pills and all these things. And that helped me a lot um, through this diet. If not, I don't think I would have been able to do this. So you had, so you took the diet pills. It suppressed mm-hmm. your hunger. You were drinking the soup. Your skin was amazing, but you had mm-hmm. gas. Did you feel like, because I feel like sometimes when you restrict so many calories that you just look like sunken in and solo. Was that something that you felt you looked like or were you just like happy you lost all the weight? I was happy. 
I was happy. I didn't care. I could have looked like, let me tell you, let me tell <laughs> I remember going to work. My eyeballs were like sunken in because I, of course, when I lose weight, the first thing that goes, <clears throat> excuse me, is my face. Mm -hmm. So my eyeballs were sunken in and I went to work and the girls were like, oh, did you try a new makeup on? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, actually, you know, I lost some weight. <laughs> That's funny. They thought you contoured your face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was contour was before funny. contour. Um, exactly. For me, I'm a binge eater. Like, that's always what my problem has been. Um, I don't, I'm not a snacker. I don't graze. I will eat food on top of food on top of food. And it'll be like, if I'm really in my bag and I really feel a certain type of way, I might stay home all day, sit on the couch, and I can have, like, pizza or lasagna and then maybe have, like, fries and, like, all this shit that's terrible mm. for you. So mm -hmm. I feel like when I do diets like that, where I restrict my calories and I eat so little for such a long time, I end up gaining the weight, like, right back. Because as soon as I'm able to eat, I'm literally eating the fucking world. And it's yeah. it's kind of disgusting. So yeah. I can literally eat everything in sight if I'm not following a meal plan that works for me. For me, I feel like I did the best when it came to, like, diets and meal plans when I changed my lifestyle so like I was still eating the stuff that I like like I remember um I used to make brown rice and gandules and then I would make like a pepper steak but I would mm. only eat like maybe a quarter cup of rice and it was mostly gandules in the in the in the mixture and then I would have like mm. avocado and it was like <laughs> food that I'm that I love but it was so it was healthy substitutions in it and that's what really works for me these like crazy fad diets where you're only eating one thing a day or one type yeah. of food i can't do it it and for me it's not sustainable at all mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no i did that soup because i i mean it was something that everybody was doing it was a fad and i said okay i'll jump on the wagon with it and i i mean i enjoyed it but um that i can do it now i can't i can't yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it has literally a score of less than one. Like, I don't think you should do it. We're not promoting right. this diet. Like, yes, my mom lost a lot of weight, but. <laughs> yeah, but I almost died. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into the next segment and it's hard on my sleeve. Again, this is where I talk about like my journey to um, weight loss, whether it be via you know, the VSG, which you had, um, for anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't know, the VSG procedure is the vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Um, my mom had it a couple of years back. What are you on now? Two, two years, two years. Yeah. A little oh. over two years. If you could describe your journey in one word with the VSG, what would it be? One word. I want to say amazing. Um, but struggle comes even better. <laughs> An amazing struggle. <laughs> Can I combine those two? <laughs> An amazing struggle. I mean, sure, you can, actually. Um, so it's amazing because you see the what you get from it. You see how it helps you. You see how it changed your life. But it's still a struggle because, I mean, when you deal with weight and you deal with weight loss and you deal with health or fitness or anything, when you're doing it the right way, it's a struggle. Nothing is easy. 
Yeah, because it's not your stomach. I used to always think, oh, it's what I eat. It's, it's, I mean, it does play a part of it. What I, what you eat and, and how much you eat of it. But your mind, oh my God, that is the struggle after surgery because of course you're not able to eat like you used to eat, but the mind doesn't know that. And the mind wants the chips and the mind wants the chocolate and the ice cream and this and, and it's just, a battle, a battle. That's why they call it a tool. It's a tool to help you lose weight, but it doesn't, if, if you don't change your mind, your mindset, I should say, then it's, you could gain all that weight right back. Right. Because it's not like replacing your stomach with a steel, whatever. Like right. the dot, the, your stomach can still expand. It can still grow. It can go back to the way it was when you were your highest weight. Very simply, it's not easy to do and it actually can be painful from what i've read like expanding your stomach and eating these things that you shouldn't be eating and eating these mm-hmm. foods that you shouldn't be eating you know it can it can be painful but sometimes the gratification of eating the food is greater than the pain that you right. feel exactly yeah exactly. so it's definitely difficult um you know now that it's you know covid it's not even 2020 it's just covid that's what the year is called mhm Everything has been placed on hold for the foreseeable future. I spoke to the doctor's office, I want to say like last week or the week before. Um, as you know, I was supposed to have an endoscopy in the middle of April and that mm-hmm. was canceled. Um, right. Obviously, hospitals are overrun with patients with COVID. They're not ha- performing any elective surgeries, any elective anything. If you don't have to go to the doctor unless it's emergency, do not go to the doctor. And mm-hmm. this is from someone who works in the doctor's office. We do not want to see you. If it's not an exactly. <laughs> if you exactly. have carpal tunnel, if you have trigger finger, if your thumb has been hurting since you were 12 and now you have a couple of days off, it's not the time to come see your local hand surgeon. I'm just putting that out there because it annoys the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just an FYI. Nobody has my opinion, but I'm just giving it. Um, so because everything was put on hold for the foreseeable future with COVID, I actually signed up to do a 40 day challenge. Um, it starts next week. The first day is the 11th. I actually got my meal plan yesterday. Um, he sent it to us 10 days early so that, you know, he knows it's hard for people to get soup, to go to the supermarket, to get the things that they need. Everything is just not as readily available as it was Mm -hmm. before. So he sent it to me yesterday. I haven't even looked at it, to be honest. Mm. As you guys know, my launch day party for um, the launching of this podcast was last night. It was amazing. My mom was there. We had a great time. You know, we played games and all of that, but I am tired. I literally got the email during the party and I opened it because I was, you know, excited, but I didn't really read it. Um, Mm. It has been so long since I I followed a diet or a workout plan. Um, If you listen to episode one where I talk about the keto diet, that's literally the last diet I followed. And that was 2018. So it's literally two years ago. Yeah. And it's like, mom, Mm -hmm. you know me. I was always on some type of diet. Mm -hmm. I was always figuring out some type of workout plan. And I've literally not done any of that in two years. So I'm really challenging myself by joining this 40 day challenge like it's 40 yeah. <laughs> freaking days like wow wow um 
But I plan on talking about it, you know, on the podcast. I plan on being held accountable and, you know, documenting everything that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still open. By the time this podcast um, airs, you might still be able to join. You can follow uh, Training with Jay Lopez on Instagram. He's a great, you know, fitness coach based out of Atlanta. He has a gym in his house where he trains people. Um, from what I see, he has excellent, like, results with people. He's very big on nutrition-based um, weight loss plans. So it's not just working out. So he's a trainer, but he mm. knows you can't outwork any diet. Like, you have your diet has to go hand-in-hand with the way you're working out. Not to mm-hmm. say there aren't some people who can just work out and then go to McDonald's and eat a Big Mac and still have, you know, cuts in their stomach or, you know. I know. That's Horrible. not me. <laughs> that is not Horrible. me. I have to eat a certain type of way in order for me to lose weight. I can work out. I can run. I can do whatever. Yeah. But unless I'm eating the way I'm supposed to be eating, the scale really isn't going anywhere. So true. <laughs> and with and with age and with age. Well, yeah. It's yeah. So I can hard. only imagine. I mean, I'm. I lost the initial um, seventy five pounds. I was twenty seven. And it was hard then because I was so big, but it's definitely harder now just for me to drop, like, let's say 20 or 30 pounds. Um, and I'm still young. I'm only 34, but I can only imagine, which is why, like, I'm really trying to get back in it now. And I'm trying to what my goal with this um challenge is I want to build some type of routine. So, like, it's not to say that I'm just going to eat, you know, like grilled chicken breasts and broccoli for the rest of my life because that is not life for me Mm -hmm. some people can do it some people love it some people for them i know i was talking to a friend of mine earlier today and he was like that um he's just been eating like a lot of you know lean meats and whole foods nothing with a lot of ingredients everything is basically like not really processed everything is fresh and he likes it and Eating that way gives him a different kind of um, satisfaction and gratification because he can see as soon as he stops eating that way, the way his body changes. So Mm. for him, it's like the satisfaction comes from the way his body looks. Right. That's not me. I I like food. I like the way it tastes. Mm -hmm. I I like the way it makes me feel. And that's just something that... Um, I don't know if that's learned behavior because I feel like you've, you were that way as well. You've also struggled yes. with your weight since you were little. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen you go on diets and ups and downs. Um, I was telling you the other day that I remember we used to, uh, do sweating to the oldies. What was the yes. guy's name on sweating um, to the oldies? Simmons. Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. <laughs> and we had like the VHS tape. We had like one, two, and three. And I remember it was funny because at that time, like you would do it. You would do it in the living room. And I, me being a child, I was a baby. I would do it with you. And you were my little, my, my little <laughs> everything. You were always with me. and we would literally do these workouts and i remember watching it and there were you know richard simmons his body isn't a trainer's body no no like at at all all. and the people even doing the workouts with him like i remember there was this one white lady and she had to be at least 250 pounds (laughs) yes she was big and she was doing it and you know there was like the skinny aerobic girls too so it's like Mm -hmm. he really tried to be inclusive and now that i think back at it like that's really like that was ahead of its time 
Yes. He really was ahead of his time yes. because now, you know, where there's no such thing as DVDs or VHS tapes of these workout plans. Everything is like online and mm-hmm. these actual it's actual trainers doing it. Um and everybody looks the same. Everybody has right. a wash, a flat stomach, it's everybody true. has toned arms. And it's like yep. you rarely see someone who is bigger or, you know, might not be able to do the the these moves that you're doing. Um right. we've tried a lot of at-home workouts together we did you know sweating to the oldies not that i was actually doing it to lose any weight but (laughs) i was sweating to the oldies with you um we did the mary hart tape yes i loved her i was working out before school at like 11 years old like i would get up early and we would we would work out together and we would do the mary hart tape or dvd or whatever we did the 21 day fix challenge where they did the workouts there (laughs) (laughs) we did a lot of workouts so it's like i've always looked to you as someone who i knew like you've struggled with your weight like it's just it's we all struggled with our weight you me amanda but in different Mm -hmm. ways um we also the three of us have different body types like we're all related you know you're our Mm -hmm. mom but we also have different body types. The way you lose weight is different from the way I lose weight is different from the way Amanda loses weight. Mm-hmm. But um, have you picked up any habits during COVID that you feel has helped you to try to stay on track? Well, I don't know <laughs> if it has helped. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me that it hasn't helped because I have a whole bunch of those. So that that has helped is um, I went back on doing um which I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I've been doing Herbalife mm-hmm. shakes for breakfast. At least one, I, I'm replacing one meal with a shake mm-hmm. because being home, I'm cooking constantly. Right. I'm taking care of, of, of mom who's 93 years old. God bless her. Exactly. <laughs> and then my husband comes home and, and he's here from nine o'clock in the morning until two that he leaves again. So he's expecting breakfast. He's expecting lunch. So I'm in the kitchen most mornings um, between work and, and the kitchen cooking and, and then doing housework. But I'm picking as I am cooking for them. And I, I mean, I was gaining weight. So I, I, I'm like, I can't do this to myself. Even though my stomach still reminds me enough. Mm-hmm. My mind says, no, it's not. This is so delicious. Look at the salami. Look at the mango. Look at the bread. Look at the cookies. Look at the... Oh, my God. So I think that what's helping me is the shakes right now. I have my shake while I'm cooking, so I am not picking on anything. Right. So for me, I feel like Herbalife has its pros and it has its cons. Um, mm. It's essentially... A meal replacement plan. That's basically what it is. In order for you to, you know, do Herbalife the correct way, is that you're replacing a meal or two, and then you're getting your nutrients and everything you need from an an actual meal. It's not that you're only drinking Herbalife shakes, and even your actual meal has to be something of substance. It can't just be, you know, 
cabbage soup. Like that's not going to help you at all. It's not, it's not good for you. I also feel like that's why they offer a lot of vitamins and stuff because they know Mm -hmm. that it's not enough. Um, Right. Because in all actuality, uh, I don't know if you've ever really read like the nutrition facts of the Herbalife shakes, but one shake is only about 250 calories. Yes. So if you're having yes. three shakes a day, um, you know, my math is terrible, but it's less than a thousand calories, you know, it's mm-hmm, like 750 mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. Um, so that's not good. Um, but replacing right, right. one meal a day so that it keeps you full and it keeps you, you know, with energy throughout the day. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, Right. Um, as long as you're doing it the right way. Um, and not only that, I, I'm because of the surgery. Yes, I'm replacing that one shake in the morning just to so I don't pick on all these greasy foods that I'm cooking for other people. But. I have to be very careful how I eat. I have to make sure that I'm getting all my vitamins and and, and nutrients. And on top of that, taking supplements Mm -hmm. because it's still not enough because of the amount that I'm eating. Right. So I have to take my multivitamins. I have to take a vitamin D, calcium and all that on top of whatever I'm eating. Yeah. But it's good that you're conscious of it because it's so easy. You know, I know you've... um, described yourself as somebody who picks so you're like a grazer you you pick throughout the day and you're eating you know whether it be just one piece of this and one piece of that that if you're doing it all day long it adds up because you're not really paying attention to it so the fact that you are you know mindful of what you're eating mindful of how you're eating that's a step in the right Mm -hmm. direction because honestly all we can do at this time especially this day and age with everything going on is try to work on our mental because it's just it's hard out here yeah um that's that's why i that's why when i'm home i try to do like crocheting i try to get into other things like i sometimes i I, i'm working from because i work from home right now because of the covid so sometimes i get up in the morning at six o'clock in the morning i sit in this computer i start working and sometimes it's 10 o'clock and i'm still working because it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. I'm not a TV person. So it's like I come, if not, you know how your mind starts, like pick on this and eat this and there's some chips and there's some cookies. So I'd rather work than eat. Right. Right. And just keep yourself busy because right, right now all we have is time and you have exactly. to try to fill it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with this challenge, I'm really just trying to build a routine. I'm trying to snap out of eating all the bullshit that I've been eating because I've been eating a lot of bullshit lately. I'm not even going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been cooking as much as I should be cooking. And when I do cook, it's not the best of choices. Um, you know, Ethan only eats chicken. So I'm cooking chicken all day. I'm cooking French fries all day. Um, I'll make bacon. So as I'm making his bacon, I'm like, well, let me make myself a bacon, egg, and cheese for breakfast. And, exactly. You know, and it's just like he's <laughs> losing weight. He's doing fine. He has a swimmer's <laughs> body. He might have abs by the time COVID is over, even though he's eating fried chicken and french fries all day. But his mom might be 300 pounds by the time we go to the pool. So I need to get my life together. <laughs> it's just it's crazy i hear that i hear that (laughs) so that's basically you know i don't really have a lot of updates with um the vsg that has been put on hold to be honest i don't want to have the surgery in 2020 at this point i really am just gonna let it you know 
marinate. I'm going to let it sit, but I'm going to try to work on myself. And I'm just trying to get my myself together so that if I am, you know, still struggling with my weight come 2021, then I know what to expect and I can get on that path again. Um, we're just going to see mm-hmm. how it goes. I just want to be healthier because at the end of the day, it's not about physical. That's just a good side effect of getting healthy. I really exactly. just want to be healthier. Exactly. That's one of the main reasons why I did it. I was already on the borderline of um, becoming a diabetic. My cholesterol was horrendous. I mean, I just needed to do something because I said, hello, what's going to happen? Right. You know, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to have to be a diabetic for the rest of my life. And 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 the way that I was going, because I also suffer from thyroids. Mm-hmm. What the way that I was going, it was like I was gaining a pound a day. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was going crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's but now, thank God, that's I'm back the- on, on track. <laughs> Not where I want to be, but back on track. <laughs> but you know what? Life's a roller coaster. There's ups, exactly. there's downs. Like, you just have to be able to pick up and go because you can't stop mm-hmm. just because it's down. Because that's when you have to put in the work. When, you, when you're in a roller coaster... It's easy to fall down, but when you're in that valley, like you have to pull the work to go back up. So you have to put in work to get higher in life, to get where you want to be and all of that. So, yes, self-acceptance is a major, major key. Self-acceptance is, 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 I, I, there's no words for it. Like, yeah, exactly. Because you can lose all the weight if you still don't love yourself. And that's what, like self-image is another thing mm-hmm. because I remember being smaller and I'm just like okay I'm still fat oh my god like what is going on <laughs> yeah and I look back at pictures and I'm like okay I wish I was as fat as I thought I was like I wish I was fat like I was back in 2013 because I saw I was fat and I was 168 pounds my smallest I knew I was small yes. but I still saw myself as a bigger girl and it actually right. works in the opposite way too because I feel like I have been working on you know seeing myself body positivity and my um my reflection and just looking at myself and I started accepting my body. I started accepting like listen, my thighs are never going to be small. I'm never going to have mm-hmm. a gap. Um my arms are always going to be thicker. I I can have cuts because at one point I was lifting weights and I was doing my thing and I had like cuts in my arms and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when I started gaining weight, the weight and where I gained weight I wouldn't see it right away. So like I knew my thighs were getting bigger and I knew my arms were getting bigger, but I don't gain weight in my stomach right away. I don't gain weight in my face right away. So it's mm-hmm. like it creeps up on me and I'll see myself and I'm just like, oh no, I'm fly. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> I look at a video or a picture that somebody took of me and it's just like, isn't that weird? Like you can look at yourself in the mirror and see something, but if someone mm-hmm. takes a picture of you, yes, you I hate see that. how you really look. <laughs> yes. Like, what are they doing? Like, you're still looking at yourself, but when you see a picture of somebody else, of that someone else took of you, it's like, okay, that's not what I saw that's in the mirror. Who, that's not who I am. What did they do? What angle is that? That's not me. No. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous, and it's really a mind-fucking game. Because I feel like when you look at yourself, you see what you want to see regardless and when someone takes a picture of you it's almost like oh shit like that's really what i look like (laughs) (laughs) 
So I don't know. I feel like I have I to know. do research on that because there has to be some but type when, of. But yeah, but there's something because when I take a picture of myself, I love it. Oh yeah. Well, that's because we know what, how to stand. We know yes. how to look in the mirror. We know what angle to take. We know what our good side is. So when we take our own pictures, even when, so I've been doing like mini photo shoots in my room mm-hmm. and it's like, I have to practice in a mirror to see like how I want to look um, in whatever outfit I'm wearing or whatever the case may be. But as soon as I'm taking the pictures, I'm like, okay, that's not what I saw in the mirror when I did the exact same thing. <laughs> so clearly there's something going on in my mental where I'm thinking this looks fire. And then I take the picture and it's yeah. like, okay, Stephanie, what is going on? You didn't see that little, that little roll <laughs> right there, that little shadow underneath. And it's like, what is going on? All right. So, so true. So true. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to get into our last and final segment, and it's my little rant and my little rave that I always do because I always need to ask, like, are you dead ass? Because sometimes I just don't know, and I have to find out, like, <laughs> if you really are dead ass. Um, hmm. I found this post on Instagram. The Shade Room had posted it a few days ago, and mm-hmm. it says. If my child and husband both had COVID and needed a ventilator and we could only give one to one of them, I'm saving my husband. I wouldn't want to raise my child without a spouse if I could help it. My child can't help me mourn the loss of my husband. My child can't help me fill the void left by my soulmate. Nah, fuck that. What kind of mother would I be? Life is already hard. Let that baby miss the turmoil and die in bliss. We can have another baby. All right. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. I am utterly disgusted. I read this and I said, this person, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, honestly. And I'm just going to say this person doesn't have kids. She, there is no way that this woman can understand what it is to have a child and actually fixed her fingers to type this post because this isn't like a conversation that was overheard this was literally someone who wrote this and posted it on the on the internet um maybe she just found the love of her life maybe she doesn't know what it is to live without the love of her life but there's no way you can have a child and feel this way it's beyond selfish like it's disgusting Mm. it's selfish and i can't even begin to put words to it um the baby can die in bliss. Like, what? How, exactly. How fuck. the fuck is that even a thing? Like, mm. it may, It was so cringy, the, the whole thing I read. Like, my child won't help me mourn. It is not your child's responsibility to help you mourn the loss of mm. their father. Like Exactly. And furthermore... <laughs> I wouldn't want to be with someone who would be like, you know what? Let's take the ventilator away from our kids. Exactly. That's, that's my answer right there. I would, I would have a conversation with my husband, okay? And I would tell him, listen, the doctors are saying this. So I, this is my opinion. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And if we can come to an agreement which i mean if we're parents it's obvious what the agreement would be mm-hmm. then you know i will give the ventilator to my child but at least he's included in it 
Right. She's not even including him in it. It's all about her. It's all about her soulmate and how she, and and it's exactly how you said. This woman must not have a child. She has never bared a child mm -mm. because of the way that she's writing this. It it I, I just can't. It doesn't I even can't. make any sense. What no, kind of doesn't. mother would I be? We can have another baby. Another baby is not the baby that just it's died. It's not the baby that just died. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to mourn that baby for the rest of your life. And you're going to regret make, making that decision. Right. I mean, obviously, is this is something that, I mean, it's so exaggerated. I mean, I'm sure it'll never come to the point where a father and a child are fighting over a ventilator. I mean, not to say that it's not exactly. possible because a lot of people are fighting for their lives right now, but this is a very exaggerated. And there's a lot of scenarios mm -hmm. that can happen with this. One was, like I said, you know, discussing it with your husband. The other one is that if you can't discuss it with your husband, but you feel that your husband is in good health, you know, and, his lungs are, are more developed mm -hmm. that he has a better chance of making it without a ventilator. Mm -hmm. So again, the child gets the ventilator. So there's a lot of scenarios that can go on with this, but the end result will be the child is getting that ventilator. I'm going to do whatever so. <laughs> I have to do as a mom to save my child's life. And I would hope, you know, my husband or the child's father would want to do the same. Like, exactly. Because I'm not going to take away what it is to be a father i've never been a father i don't know what it is right. to be a father but i would assume that you still have a lot of love for your child like you would still want exactly. to put your child first i've also never been married i don't know what it is to have a husband i don't know what it is to have a soulmate i don't I, i'm not familiar with that you've been married twice mm -hmm. you were married to my dad you got divorced and now you got remarried um a few years back you know mm -hmm. so the fact that you're like, no, fuck that. Like, I feel like I got that from you because I've never felt <laughs> like you ever, even when you were married to dad, I've never felt like you put him above us. It was mm -hmm. always like, you know, this is your dad. I love him. And, you know, we have our relationship over here, but just know, like, I'm going to pick you. Like, if, if push comes to shove, I'm going to pick my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it should be. I mean, that's how I feel it should be. A lot of women might disagree with it. So I agree with it. But that's how I was raised. And that's how I raised you guys. And yeah. that's the way it should be. <laughs> I feel like it's also a cultural thing. I mean, you know, you were born in Dominican Republic. I was born here. So you came here very young. So you're very Americanized. I know you guys are listening to my mom. And you're like, what? She was born in Dominican Republic. Yeah, this is her um, <clears throat> white people voice. This is how she speaks at work. And this is why I learned how to, you know, change my voice when I'm talking to the patients. And hi, how are you? How are you doing? You know, all of that. And um, so you weren't submerged in the culture of Dominican Republic during your like formative years. You came here at eight years old. So mm -hmm. all of that, that like. The father is the king of the castle. The king of the castle and all that. No. I never mm -hmm. felt that. I never felt no. that. Like, yeah, dad was important. He was dad, but right. it's not that he was more important than than you. He didn't run everything, you know? Like, right. you weren't 
yeah, you made him, you know, dinner every night and you made us dinner every night, but it wasn't so much because you were doing it for him. It's because you had kids that you had to feed. So you had to feed him mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, it was just like, I'm cooking. Another child. No. Yeah. <laughs> Another child. You know, you had to make sure. I remember we would go to the supermarkets and you would make sure that you bought his cereal and you bought his orange juice because mm-hmm. once he no longer lived there, I don't think we ever bought another orange juice again. Nope. Never again. <laughs> I don't like orange juice and you guys don't like orange juice. So that was it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I don't know what it is to be married, but I wouldn't think that I would ever choose my husband's. I mean, it's difficult. I wouldn't want my husband to die, obviously. Right. And I, if right. I would want to save them both, clearly. But if mm-hmm. it was really like, you know what, right now, at this second, either... One of them has to get a ventilator or they're both going to die. Who are you going to choose? Like, I'm going to choose my, my kid. Child. Like, my child. I yeah. lived my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. what is, right. What the baby, what did the baby get to do? Nothing. Oh, they get to die yeah. in bliss. That's what their, the peak of their life is, that they get to die in bliss and then get replaced as if they were a pair of sneakers. Yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why exactly that what you said, that this woman never has had a child it's true i mean you could you can see that just by her, her writing this yeah definitely definitely mm-hmm. so i was beyond disgusted i really couldn't understand if she was dead ass because and that's why i felt like i had to i had to discuss this with you because yeah i read this like five times and i was like what <laughs> you weren't expecting no. it like you weren't expecting no. that turn <laughs> no i was not i was like what yeah. Dying bliss? What bliss? <laughs> we can have another baby and then heart emoji. What? Ugh, what are you even whatever. what are you even saying? Um Nothing. so yeah, a mother's love is undeniable. A parent's love is undeniable. You know, that is a part of you that will live on hopefully past you. Like this is what this is your legacy. This is what you're leaving in the world when exactly. you're no longer here is your child. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, mm-hmm. it's your child and what they do with their life, how you raise them, how you brought them up, how you left them, what, you know, guidance you left them with, all of that. Um and I'm very grateful that you are my mom because you really showed me what it is to be a mom, you showed me what it is to love unconditionally, you know, you showed me that you will do anything you can for your kids within your mm-hmm. means and even sometimes outside of your means um you know like i said earlier me and amanda never really wanted for ever, for anything and while we weren't you know in the latest drip and the latest you know fashions or you know we didn't have a lot of money growing up i can't ever say that i felt like we were destitute mhm i try my best for that not to be the case yeah we knew mm-hmm. like we knew what was going on and we knew how it was. We knew that you were, you know, we were strapped for cash. We weren't rich. Um, but even to this day, me and Amanda say the best Christmas was the Christmas where you gave us panties and uh, bootlegged CDs. <laughs> but it was like, you know, we need panties. <laughs> we were so excited. But when we got the bootlegged CDs, now I'm telling you guys, I don't know how many of my listeners are in New York City, but back in like 2000 to 2003, you can go to like um, people outside will have like on the avenues or on the major streets, they will have like tables and it will be CDs of mixtapes. 
and they were like the hot 97 volume 12 or whatever the case may be (laughs) the paper was literally someone who just like photocopied the actual you know cover of the cd and put it in the slot of the cd case and they might have wrote handwritten like hot 97 on the cd but it was Mm -hmm. all the songs it you know this was before like limewire this was before iTunes and where you could just download the music yourself. It wasn't none of that. Like mm-hmm. you either recorded from the radio or you bought actual CDs, which were about like $25 a pop, or mm-hmm. you can go to the Africans on Broadway and you know, you can buy five CDs for $20. So me yep. and Amanda were very excited. And even though it wasn't, you know, Christmas is supposed to be about big extravagant gifts, you know, all of that, that is the Christmas that we would never forget because we knew that you tried your best to give us things that you knew we would love. And I think that sometimes is more important. And that putting in how I am with Ethan, Ethan doesn't like toys. Ethan is not big on toys. He's not big on gifts. So when like things like Christmas and birthdays come around, I had to figure out a way to, you know, make it, make it good for him and something that he loves. So, you know, he Mm -hmm. got into photography. I would get him like a digital camera, which he still uses and it's all beat up, but he loves it. Um, or we would go on vacations because, you know, Christmas time, it's cold. He can't go to the pool. We can't, we are only allowed to go to the pool about five times a year, really, (laughs) um, (laughs) in New York city. So we would go away and we would just go to a resort and he would spend all his days at the pool. And, you know, that's what he would get, for Christmas. So I feel like I learned from you that you have to connect with your kids in the, in a way that, you know, it resonates with them. Me and Amanda, you know, we loved Nas growing up and you would be sweeping in the living room to, um, <laughs> got yourself a gun and rapping along with Nas. You know, my mom who does Bible studies, she was like, you know, got yourself a gun <laughs> and she would be sweeping and mopping along with us. So, you know, it's just, yes, I would. <laughs> I, I've always said this. I always try to relate to Ethan as best as I can. You know, I don't know what he sees when he looks into the world. I don't know what he right. hears, what he feels because he's autistic i don't know if i've said this before on this podcast but ethan is autistic and we don't know how they see the world so i really just try to relate to him and i try to you know watch him while we're doing certain things and if it's something that he enjoys and something that he loves i can see it and i can pick up on it and i try to Mm -hmm. you know replicate that as best as i can um So I just want to thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. This is the Mommy Day edition. Um, yes. I'm so happy that you're here and we were able to discuss all these things. Um, yeah. I know you do makeup like me. This is where, you know, my mom, my mom is a social media diva. Okay. <laughs> like y'all thought I like to take pictures. Uh, okay. I kind of got it from her. Um, you go on live on Facebook and you do your makeup. Where can everybody find you? Or, you know, if they wanted to contact you, let me know. So I have a page, a Facebook page, and it's my name, Susan Santana. And you can go ahead and follow me there. And you'll, and if you press, um, like, you'll get notified every time that I'm on. I also have a business, um, page which is called susansglitzglam.com. You can go there and purchase um, unique products. So I am a unique presenter. I'm a yellow Statter unique presenter. And that is my website. 
Yes. We so. were all types of, you know, different streams of income <laughs> over here. Okay. We're hustlers you got to, you got at to. heart in New York City. It's what we have That's to right. do. Um, thank you so much for everybody tuning into this episode. You can follow me at underscore Steffi Kiss or the podcast page Fine and Thick Pod spelled out just like how it sounds i will link all of my information down below as well as my mom's information down below thank you so much for tuning in again i hope all the mommies out there um whether it be you know adopted mommies step mommies mommies of angel babies everyone i hope you enjoy your mother's day weekend i hope you enjoy everything going on my son is walking into the room right now he said it's been an hour and 15 minutes and i have to get off love you guys so much see you next week bye <laughs>